Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network. Broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Hey now, hey now. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we'll cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Exxon Broadcast Network and iHeartRadio and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right around this great big world of ours. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. And if you'd like to find out about the programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. Exxonation, my guest at this hour is Dr. Michael Lennox. He is a psychologist, astrologer, and dream expert. He's been helping people have a deeper understanding of their unconscious mind for almost 20 years in workshops, in the media, for private clientele, and on the internet via his popular website. Uh, Michael 
guides people through life's mysteries with a deep and profound wisdom delivered through a humorous uh, style that has become his trademark. Joining me now is Mike, Dr. Michael Lennox. And uh, Michael, welcome to the Exxon. Wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay. Uh, when, when did your interest in dreams start? Pretty early on, really, truly. The first memorable dream that I ever had, uh, I had at three years old. Mm -hmm. And it never left me. It was this actual terrifying, terrifying dream experience as a, as a, as a you know, three, four-year-old child right. where I found myself in this sort of landscape, just this empty kind of space. And I was aware simultaneously that uh, sort of above me, if you will, there was this enormity and that below me, there was this tiny, minuscule sensibility. And all I remember was being terrified at that, that, that feeling of being in this weird landscape. Now, at three and four years old, I don't, I couldn't have any sense of mm -hmm. what that dream meant. But of course, now I know it is simply a dream about infinity a dream that connects us to that idea that that's us. Right. We are these beings in this dimension, and above us, beyond us, are these great, enormous, wide-open spaces filled with solar systems and galaxies, and that in the inner space are these tiny little molecular structures, which are ironically very similar in shape to galaxies and solar systems. And this dream, I think, was putting me in touch with that landscape. And I, I have since heard this exact same dream described by a handful of other people in my, in my journey. So I know it to be an actual bona fide sort of universal, though rare, dream. But that dream never left my sensibility uh, and, and got me hooked as a young, imaginative kid in the possibility of what could happen in, in, in the dreaming landscape. You know, I've got about a minute before I go to my first break, uh, Michael. And I have to ask you a question. Does everyone dream? Absolutely. In fact, if we didn't dream, we would lose our mind, literally. There are so many things that we know about what the brain is doing mm -hmm. during the dream experience that is actually crucial to the functioning, to the effective functioning of the brain. And that includes going through the visual cortex and having that be stimulated uh, you know, within that dreaming experience. So we do know that whether you can remember the dream experience or not, you have absolutely been dreaming every time you form into that REM cycle of sleep, which happens usually two to three or four times a night. So absolutely, everybody dreams, or you would lose your mind. All right, Dr. Michael Lennox is my guest for this hour. Exonation, his website, www.michaellennox.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-L-E-N-N-O-X.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network and iHeartRadio. Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, 
Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Back everyone, Dr. Michael Lennox is our special guest for this hour, and we're talking about dreams. And let me ask you something: uh, What are dreams physiologically, and why do we keep having them? Well, there, there's one thing that the brain has to do when we go into REM sleep, which okay. is to process the data that came in during the day, right? So we, we've collected all of this information as we moved about our waking lives through our senses. And it's recorded, literally recorded in the brain as electronic impulses created by uh, neurons in the brain. And if we didn't take uh, stock of what we received during the day and sort it out and make the important stuff stick around as short-term memory and discard the rest of it. There would just be too much stimulation in the brain to perceive the data that we would need to perceive the next day. So part of what happens when we go into sleep mode is the brain is doing that. We are actually reliving much of the day's information in order to do just that, to sort through what's important and distinguish it from what's irrelevant. And so this is why very often people will say, oh, well, I dreamt of the grocery store Mm -hmm. because I did my shopping that day, or I was in the park, and so my dream reflected that daytime activity. So we are literally reliving stuff. But there's also other physiological things that are happening. One of the, I think the funniest is, is that, you know, brain cells poop just like everything else, there's metabolic waste that has to be gotten rid of. And that happens during REM sleep as well. We don't have the capacity to clean out our brain cells the way the lymphatic system cleans out the cells in your physical body below Mm -hmm. the brain. So would it be be safe to say that what we're experiencing in our brain every night is what we do with our computer once in a while is we defrag it? 
Absolutely. It's exactly, metaphorically gotcha. or symbolically, it's exactly that. If we didn't, what happens to your computer? It gets slow yep. and sluggish because it's just too much data mm -hmm. that it's cycling through to get to the important stuff. So yes, we're defragmenting it. We're getting rid of what's irrelevant and extraneous. Uh, in this metabolic waste cleanup, the brain cells actually shrink and all of the waste gets into the space between the cells. And then when they take their shape back up, it pushes all of that that uh, uh, liquid out in, into the bloodstream, which then allows the brain, you know, the metabolic waste to leave. So a lot of what we're visually and sensorily experiencing during that part of sleep, at least from the scientific sleep important brain function, is also stimulating those neurotransmitters with metabolic waste that's leaving the brain. This is what will lead a scientist to say, Dreams are meaningless because all we're doing is cleaning up the brain and making memory. Hmm. But, but there's, there's a mystery that's happening in there as well. What's that mystery? Well, if you are of the mind of the psychologist or the sort of modern-day spiritual mystic, it's mm -hmm. a connection to your soul. It is an opening to your unconscious mind. It is a mysterious a capacity to connect to other dimensions beyond the one, the three three-dimensional space that we have our orientation to time, space, and identity when we're awake, that there's this connection to other fantastic realms that have been inspiring, you know, humankind since the beginning of, you know, maybe consciousness itself to consider things beyond what happens in our everyday life. Would you say that dreams are individualized? Well, they're both. That's one of the beauties of dreams, and one of the things that uh, that that Carl Jung really mm -hmm. sort of brought into our attention is is that dreams are absolutely individualized because the individual is having an experience that is intimate. It's private. It's within themselves. It's inside their own unconscious, their own imagination, their own concept of self, and. They're completely universal in that, and how do we know that, is because people all over this globe are having the same dreams, even if they are culturally uh, uh, completely different uh, uh, in their sort of background and in their orientation to how life works, which is something that Jung discovered back in you know the, the 19th century when he traveled to Africa and found that the the First Nations Aboriginal folk that he was meeting in Africa were having the same dreams that his contemporary, you know, upper middle class Swiss clientele were having. But how can that be? Well, because there are fundamental ways that we are all connected. I think we are more connected than we are separate. This is, of course, where sort of psychology mm -hmm. and, and mysticism, you know, they separate. I'm fortunate to sort of be willing to be both half scientist and half mystic. I believe that we're more connected than we are separate, that there's something fundamentally connected about the human experience that makes certain elements of our humanity universal to everybody. You know, there isn't a baby born into this consciousness that isn't afraid of falling. Why? Because gravity mm -hmm. is a significant law we must abide by. And if we don't, it will kill us. And so falling becomes a universal fear, whether mm -hmm. you live in one area or another area of the globe. And so dreams of falling and or flying, which is to break through from the constraints of that 
heaviness or that inevitable landing or fall are universal to human beings. We, we as human beings, we're all a bit afraid of the stuff that we can't control. And so a dream of being chased by an assailant is going to be a universal dream that we all have. For one person, it might be a person with a gun and for someone else, it's a tiger. But it's the same idea being expressed that there are things that are you know, encroaching upon our safety and our comfort, and it feels like we're running from them. There are several books out uh, on the marketplace these days that are called dream encyclopedias or books that help one to interpret their dreams. How can these be accurate if there are so many variables when a person dreams? That's a great question. And having authored three of them, I think I should speak into this with some sort of like both, you know, authority and apology. I, I, so I was I was hoping you would. <laughs> here's what I'll say about that. <laughs> I certainly write from the perspective mm -hmm. of the universal meaning. So we've been talking about universality. Right. That there are certain fundamental ideas that are universal. Mm -hmm. I believe that universal meaning associated with an image or a symbol is built in to the thing itself, what it is or what it does, what its use is will tell you what the meaning is. So here, I just grabbed my wallet. My wallet holds my, my money, my identification. So as a symbol, it's my personal access to being able to move about with great freedom, accessing both my presentational identity and my access to abundance and flow. That's what it is, and that's what it represents. So if the dream is about I've lost my wallet, then the symbolic meaning of wallet is directly connected to its function. Mm -hmm. This is true of any image or symbol. A glass of water represents my capacity to draw to me right. something I need to facilitate life itself water so the gift of interpreting a dream when i'm working with a client isn't that i know these things we all know these things if we thought about them in that way like what does this thing do therefore what does it mean my gift in interpreting a dream is that i do this very very fast so when i wrote my dream dictionary i simply considered the thing itself what does it do? If it's an animal, what's its quality? You know, a hawk flies to great heights and soars across landscapes. And in its soaring, it can see way further than I can on the ground. And so the hawk meaning is about soaring to higher vantage points in order to see more clearly and more distantly. Okay. What about this dream that so many people have reported about standing in front of a large group being totally naked? <laughs> so if you grabbed a hundred people and interviewed them and asked them if they found themselves naked in front of a group of people, would they feel embarrassed or vulnerable? Most of them would say yes. A handful might say, oh, I'd love that because I'm, I'm a nudist. But most people would feel vulnerable and exposed. So feeling vulnerable and exposed happens all the time, every day out in the world as we interact with our environment for different reasons. Being naked as a symbolic expression of being exposed is a very visceral way to express that feeling. And so on a universal level, it shows up as a recurring dream for a lot of people. And if someone came to me and said that they had had that dream, my question would be, where in your waking life 
lately or recently have you felt exposed somehow or vulnerable to something that might have been going on in your interactions with others? It's, it's just a way that the mind has mm. or the psyche has of using symbols to express things because it's not a rational experience. It's actually a highly irrational, imaginative experience. But what about the dream where the uh, man, and I've heard many of these uh, dreams, where his penis falls off? Ouch. I yeah. would say that since the penis has a symbolic connection to power and authority, yes. that, that's a disempowering moment for that dreamer. So the idea of phallus is something that's entered our zeitgeist way beyond genitalia. We look out in the world and people will say, oh, well, that's phallic or that's phallic or that's phallic or that's phallic. And of course, phallic, phallus, has a masculine principle association with empowerment and power. And so how often might some man, dreamer, feel disempowered, emasculated? It's not literal, but it's a marvelous symbol that gets at the heart of the sensation of being disempowered. And the brain wants to work, the unconscious wants to work in juicy symbols. It's one of its ways of getting you know, our attention. Would that be the same for a very, uh, very sexually explicit dream? It depends. You know, think about sex as a symbol. What are two people having sex attempting to do beyond even procreation? They're attempting to get very close to each other. That's the impulse inside of the sexual act. And so if you... If you extrapolate that out to a sense of, well, what would this mean if I were taking the, 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 the context of sex out of it, I would land on the idea of integration, of connecting, of joining. Mm -hmm. as the symbolic you know, meaning behind sex. So many, many, if I would even go so far as to say most sexual dreams are about integrating and joining, which is one of the reasons why I'd say the majority of sex dreams that people report to me are usually uh, sex with people that people would never have uh, you know, sex with that particular partner in waking life. My best example of this that I ever heard was of the woman who dreamt of having sex with a coworker. And it was very upsetting to her because never in a million years would this have been somebody that she would have had sex with in her waking life. But upon investigation, I found out two things about the time that she was having this dream. One was she was about to give a presentation and she did not have great confidence in that capacity. She was not a public speaker. She was absolutely uh, terrified to get up and talk in front of a large group. All right, and Michael, this man Mike, in, the, in, Michael, the, in the dream was someone that could speak very confidently. Michael, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation, Dr. Michael Lennox is our guest. www.michaellennox.com. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Check us out at www.xzbn.net and www.exxonradiotv.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, 
Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Michael Lennox is our guest this hour. We're talking about dreams. His website is www.michaellennox.com. Uh, Michael, is it possible that a dream can foretell the future? Absolutely, but within, I think, the boundaries of, again, symbolic expression. And people who report having precognitive dream experiences know this about themselves. Mm -hmm. It's generally something that has happened to them throughout their lifetime. And it's usually simple things, as simple sometimes as just being in a scenario and in their waking life and going, oh, wow, yes, I dreamed this very experience a week or so ago. It's not quite, like I've never heard it play out quite like they might do it mm -hmm. in a movie where it's that, like this literal fortune-telling moment. And often people will have a very vivid dream about someone near and dear to them and think, oh my God, is this going to come true? And the chances are it's not unless this is something that you have had happen many, many, many times over your life. And some people are just intuitively wired that way. All right. I've heard it, I've heard it from different people that when you dream of death, it signifies life. If you dream of life, it signifies death. Who's right and who's wrong here? Or is it just a matter of interpretation? Huh. Well, you know, there's no such thing as a wrong interpretation. That just can't exist okay. because of the individuality of dreams. One True. of the things that happens with dreams about death is people tend to find them very scary. And when I remind them that death and rebirth are intricately bound, there's no such thing as a death that doesn't get followed by a rebirth. A dream about death, to me, mm -hmm. is very beneficial. It's showing that change is afoot and that change is happening so profoundly as to be well represented by a symbol of something that is death-like and rebirth is really right at hand when that occurs. The other adage that you spoke into is not something that I'm familiar with, nor does it really actually make sense to me that a dream of life would represent death. I would just say mm -hmm. a dream of life is representing life and death is part of life where change occurs at such a profound level that it's like a death, which we experience all throughout life. And of course, you know, the moment we're conceived is the moment we start to die. That's right. Yeah. We take our first breath and we are taking our last in a, you know, That's in right. some consciousness moment. Yes. <laughs> what about nightmares, doctor? What can you tell us about those? First of all, I think they're important, and that's why they're memorable. Mm -hmm. I think that life is difficult and scary for all of us as human beings. Yeah. You know, the world is complex and challenging. And so a nightmare is helping us confront the elements and aspects of living that are scary. I'd like to say that, you know, the dreams of lofty flying and ascension and everything being wonderful, those are great, but they don't need my help. You don't need my help being happy. 
you might need my help saying no to happiness and resisting your magnificence, right? right? So the nightmare, I think, is more valuable because it's helping point out when the dreamer is bumping up against something that scares them. And so the first question to ask when a person wakes up from a nightmare without getting into the literal details of what the dream interpretation might be based on the images of the dream, a very general question would be, what, if anything, might I be a little afraid of that's happening right now in my life unfolding? What about recurring dreams? What do we know about well, them? There, there are two kinds of recurring dreams. So let's start with the one that everybody knows they've had the same recurring dream image over and over again, maybe their entire life. For yeah. some people, it's the tsunami. For other people, it's the falling dream. There is an elegance and a simplicity to, way the, to the way that the brain will call upon a scary image mm -hmm. when a person is facing one of those moments that is a stressor, just a regular moving through life the dreamer is stressed again. Let's get that shark dream out of the of the trunk and throw that up on the inner screen because, you know, the dreamer is scared and sharks are frightening. And it's a stress reliever. We go into the dream state and we process our fears and the the unconscious will use an image that is simple and clear and gets right to the point for that dreamer. And very often, I think many of those early recurring dream, you know, those dream images that happen all throughout a life get mm -hmm. stimulated with an early media experience, a movie, a, a video game, something that, that presents, you know, the zombie dream you have your whole life started when you, you know, started playing a zombie video game as a teenager. I think there's another kind of recurring dream that are a little bit more intricate that recur over a period of time that are about a dreamer processing some sort of a life event. I worked with a woman who was divorcing a husband and moving across the country, and she had recurring dreams of driving across the country. And with each dream iteration, something new had happened or something had shifted in the process of her journey that helped her actually process the experience of ending one life and beginning another. It's, uh, it sounds to me that Dreams are more therapeutic than they're given credit for. And if, if this is the case, doctor, is there any way that dreams can be pre-manipulated to have the right therapeutic result for the right psychological problem? Well, you, you're speaking into something that uh, has a bunch of different names. I call it dream petitioning, which is where we get involved in a conversation with ourselves through our dreams. And... So the answer to your question is absolutely yes. It it that being said, it's a mm -hmm. slow and subtle process. So it's not big and grand. It would be the kind of thing where you want to work through something that's troubling in you in your life or a relationship or or a confrontation at work or some kind of a you know experience that you're having in your waking life and you can say to yourself before you go to sleep. Some people even write this down, "Hey, dear dreams, help send me a dream that will give me information, wisdom, and guidance to help work through this issue. And then trust the dream that comes and maybe write the dream down and sort of be with it and do this on an ongoing basis. What happens is the dream land will open up to you. That person who engages in this is going to be likely to remember their dreams with more vividity and accuracy. And if you don't get too demanding of the process to be rational and, and like on the money, it will open up a kind of fluidity between your conscious and unconscious mind that should absolutely help land you in a place where you feel like you know yourself 
better. What about the waking dreams or the, the old hag syndrome? Are you, now, are you speaking about like night terrors where you're in the room? I mean, I'm not sure what that is. The old hag syndrome. You're going to you're gonna have to enlighten me. What's the old hag syndrome? Well, that's where you, you where people report being in a conscious state, but they can't move. They're frozen. Ah, yes. Okay. The night terror. Yes, absolutely. And the old hag being the dangerous, you know, energy in the room that's right. sort of, you know, sitting on the, yes. Yeah. So there's a physiological thing that occurs with the body during REM sleep, which is it's paralyzed. Mm -hmm. The frontal cortex is so fired up that if you weren't paralyzed, you would move about the room acting out what the brain was expressing. And so it happens with every REM sleep, you go into a little paralysis and it all works like a nice little mechanism. But sometimes the mechanism backfires and consciousness begins to waken while the body is still paralyzed. So you have this awareness that you're dreaming, but kind of awake. You're in the room that you're sleeping in. You're kind of present, but you can't move and you're still open to the sensations of the dream state, half and half. I think it's terrifying because you're paralyzed and it feels like you can't move and you can't breathe. And I think that the idea that there's a terrible energy and entity, as you prefer, the old hag in the room, I mm -hmm. believe that that's a collapse between the sensation of being paralyzed and the the mystical openness to perceiving subtle energies that you have because you're still half asleep and that people who have this experience on a regular basis can actually train themselves to let go of the fear and lean into the perception ability and shift that terrifying experience into something quite magnificent. And I've, I've spoken to many people who have done this. Is there a connection between dreaming and out-of-body experiences? Absolutely. I think we're in the same realm of that, that there is in this, you know, the waking mind is very mm -hmm. strong. It's how we know ourselves. It's how we orient ourselves to time, space and identity. Who right. am I? Yeah. That goes away when you go to sleep. And then we're open to this whole other experience of consciousness that has nothing to do with the body on an energetic and mystical level. I believe that if you get just a little present with that conscious mind, you can actually perceive these multidimensional experiences that one would call an out-of-body experience. That is that we're, we're really already out of our body. We just don't know it because the mind that declares I'm in a body is so loud, it drowns out the voices that says, oh, but there's other things happening here energetically. And when someone reports having had an out-of-body experience, I think that's what's happening, that the, that mind is quiet and just present enough to be able to perceive these mystical experiences that I think are happening all the time. What about walk, sleepwalking? Where does this fit in? Well, it's also about um, the paralysis uh, experience, not being strong enough to mm -hmm. keep the person grounded in bed. So sonambulism occurs when there's just enough of a lifting up of consciousness for the body. You know, I mean, the lifting up of that paralysis experience for the body to begin acting out the dream experience with a literal physicality. And that's what that's that's what we call sleeping. Sleep talking is similar. Mm -hmm. And then if you advance it a little further, it's sleepwalking. So would it be would it be fair to say that people who do sleepwalking and sleep talking are not getting into a deep enough sleep? It is absolutely possible. 
um, that that they're not that their 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 experience of you know REM is mm -hmm. so restorative, and it's restorative to the brain, but the brain is how we experience uh, our energy in our body. That absolutely that if that paralysis and the depth of REM sleep doesn't happen in the absolute organic natural way that it's designed to happen, a person will absolutely feel unrested in the way that they would if they had had a regular night's sleep. That's why sleep disorders are so debilitating. Yeah. I, I've heard many people say they're more tired when they wake up than when they went to bed. Well, that can happen too. Yeah. Yes. I've heard that. I've had that experience and I've heard that many, many times that if the dream experience is so active in that frontal cortex place, in that activity in the brain, and uh, that, that at the end of the day, they haven't, you know, had a deep enough experience to uh, to release the metabolic waste that's in there, and they're going to wake up feeling sluggish and unrested. So what can people do to get a better night's sleep? Well, you know, I think that, that the only thing that we can ever do to impact our sleeping life, you know, happens in our waking life. So I think that, that, you know, first of all, setting some intentions, having a mindful part of that process, because one of the things that happens is people will start thinking <laughs> long before they get into their bedroom about how awful it's going to be, because that's what their history tells them. So one thing would be to get a little bit more mindful about approaching the sleep with a defined, definitive, a mental mindset that right. you're going to treat the before bed in such a way to help increase the bedtime sleep. Absolutely do not look at screens that emit light. And, the, and, if the, and if this doesn't work because we've got to go to our commercial break, get a divorce. There you go. <laughs> we'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon with Dr. Michael Lennox talking about dreams. His website is michaellennox.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 
401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Talking about dreams this hour here in the X-Zone, our guest is Dr. Michael Lennox. His website is michaellennox.com. First of all, uh, Michael, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been great spending this time with you and getting a better hold on the dream world. My pleasure. Um, the dreams that we have, do we basically make holograms up in our mind? And is it possible to dream of someone that we've never met? You know, this is, a, of course, has no scientific, you know, bearing whatsoever. There's no yeah. way to empirically say yes or no to the answer to that question. My beliefs, and having had a number of, you know, mystical and spiritual experiences in my quest for, you know, expanding my own consciousness, I'd have to say, well, why not? We are so connected intuitively and energetically that there are moments when dreams are so vividly connected to images. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't it be possible that the actual consciousness of the person we're dreaming of is someone who exists? And why not have that be something that might be happening uh, on the other end of that sort of, you know, dialogue, that energetic dialogue. It, I've had enough experiences that blow away the idea that this notion that we are separate and there's no connection, that just, it's not possible in my worldview. And so because dreams are so fantastical and they connect to these multidimensional experiences and we're all in this same soup of consciousness, why not have it be so? that we can connect to literal other people on the planet at this time. When you're out promoting your books or giving your courses or your workshops, uh, I'm sure you get to hear a lot of dreams. Are there any dreams that are more common than others? Well, there, there of course, is the falling, flying, being chased, being naked, going back to school and high school. Um, so the stress dreams are the ones that are absolutely the most, most common. I think one that, that sort of titillates me that's funny, that's probably fifth or sixth on the list, um, is the one with teeth falling out or something connected to the mouth where the teeth crumble hmm. and, and fall out of the mouth um, in, a, in a, what feels like a horrifying loss of capacity with the teeth. And if you think about what, what teeth are, they, they attract love by you know, revealing them in a smile. They help us nourish ourselves by chewing and processing food. And so without that, without nourishment and without connecting to other people in, 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 in an intimate, loving you know, a response, we would, we would find ourselves sort of at a loss and feel very insecure. That's a marvelous insecurity dream. And th there are absolutely others, you know, uh, 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 
and most of them fall into the, the you know, into the into the arena of the, the stressful, scary ones. You know, just thinking about flying dreams, uh, the brain does a wonderful job of of doing real time holographics. Yes. Yes. It, and, 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 and who's to say that on the one hand, when we are flying, that we might actually be out and about seeing mm -hmm. landscapes that True. our etheric bodies are visiting. But even on a fundamental psychology perspective, you know, we, you know even if a psychologist had no mystical bent like uh, as I do, one thing that, that I would equate a, a symbolic reference to gravity would be shame, you know, that when we're young and born, we're sort of in this great level of innocence. And that as we start moving into being a more of a person, we we're faced with parents who say no, or, 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 you know, rejections or challenges, exactly. even as a, you know, infant to a two and a three and a four year old, we face a world that will hold us down, will weigh us down. And then I think gravity becomes a symbol for the ways in which we feel ashamed of ourselves. And so that a dream of flying is to break free of every constraint of what is heavy about being a human being. And I think that we, we soar to these higher uh, places free of anything that might be a, a difficult experience about being alive. What is your most... What is your most perplexing part about dreams as someone who studies them, who has been, uh, you know, talking to people about the dreams they've had, interpreting dreams? What to you is the most perplexing part of the dream analogy? Well, truthfully, I think I, I think you might be disappointed in the answer. It's dream envy. <laughs> dream envy? Uh, yes. I hear the most magnificent powerful archetypal dreams where people are visiting these incredible landscapes having these most amazing adventures and i feel like my dreams seem very pedestrian by account including they like the lucid dreaming experience which yeah. we didn't even really touch on the people who have these powerful and profound yeah conscious moments in their dreaming. Well, I've had a handful of lucid dreams. I know what that's like. I even had one lucid dream where I was fully awake in mm -hmm. the dream state, as awake as I am right now, and that was magnificent. You see, I, 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 I can dream. Time. I dream dreams within dreams within dreams within dreams, and dream. I know I'm having these dreams and when dream. I try to read and anything dream. that's printed. And if I can't read, let's say, a newspaper, a menu, a store sign, I know I'm having a dream, and I have a ball. I'm envious. Don't be. You can do it. If I can do it, anyone can. That's funny. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's 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 really amazing what you can do in a dream. And you see, I've always believed the only difference between a dream and reality is doing it. The dream gives me the idea and the inspiration. And it's the steps I take in my conscious life that makes the dream come true. You just described a way that I would say is why it's valuable to pay attention to your dream Big life time, yeah. is because if anything is possible in the dream life, it's also possible in the waking life. And we want to live out our waking life in the same majesty and magnificence of what's possible that we can in our dreams. Uh, so many people have also told over the years about these painful dreams they have where they can actually feel the pain of a break, the pain of a car crash. How is this possible? 
Well, because the, you know, the, the brain is how we experience everything. And so we tend to forget that. We tend to think that pain is something that's experienced in the limb. But it's not. The limb has simply gone, like we're talking about like a broken limb. The limb is in trouble. And it sends a signal to the brain, and the signal has to be loud and clear that the, there's danger afoot. And so the brain experiences it as pain. Think about an epidural. It simply blocks the central nervous system from sending a signal to the brain. And you can block that signal and literally tear somebody open with a scalpel and do a surgery without them being asleep. And I, and I can attest to that because I've had surgery done on my knees with an epidural. There you have yeah. it. So when the brain is experiencing a literal pain mm -hmm. yeah. of the body during during a dream, it's because that's where the brain, that's where that pain actually is. It's and, in the brain. And there are those people who have lost limbs and feel ghost pain as well. That's right. It's yeah. a similar experience that the brain doesn't, I don't know, it's sort of silly to say it this way. The brain doesn't know that the leg is gone. But it's a simplistic way of saying it, that the brain is different than the limb. You've authored a dream site, a dictionary and guide for interpreting any dream that was published by our good friends at Llewellyn, as well as uh, Llewellyn's complete dream dictionary, and once again by our friends at Llewellyn, as well as the little dream, uh, the little book of dreams has just been released this month. What's next for you, Dr. Lennox? Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm slowly, slowly, slowly working on a book that is about the other elements of things that I'm interested in teaching about, which right. would be meditation, breath work, um, how to have a daily spiritual practice in this sort of modern, you know, day mm -hmm. world gone mad. What are your final thoughts for the listeners of the Exxon Nation tonight, Dr. Lennox? I would say this, that there's no wrong way to interpret a dream, that your dreams simply respond to you paying attention to them. So remembering a dream is great. You want to take it a little step further, write it down. You want to take it even further, share it with somebody else. You want to take what's possible to its extreme, do mm -hmm. something creative in response to your dream, because the dream is a story told in symbols. Speak to your unconscious mind back in the language of symbols. Use writing, drawing, a poem something that tells your unconscious that you're paying attention. It simply wants to have a dialogue with you, so have at it. What about uh, prescription drugs uh, when they're taken? What, you know, do they affect your dreams? Absolutely, and most will. You know, most that do mm -hmm. will, you know, say so in their in their uh, side effects. The dream, you know, a drug yeah. is increasing the 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 various neurotransmitters in the brain, depending on what the drug is designed to do. So it can absolutely impact the dreaming experience. I've, I've heard a lot of people uh, talk about the the increase in dreams when they were on the, um, the nicotine patch. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a very stimulating drug. <laughs> Dr. Lennox, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Continued success, and we'd love to have you back on in the future. Anytime. Take care of yourself, sir. ExoNation, Dr. Michael Lennox has been our guest for this hour, www.michaellennox.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, the Exxon Broadcast Network affiliates, and iHeartRadio. I want this empty street on the boulevard of broken dreams. <laughs>
下。